Welcome to the first ever podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Bohm. Today, I'm talking to renowned tattoo artist and musician, Dan Smith. You may know him from his obvious tattoo work, but from also being on the television show, LA Inc., or from his musical career playing in Day of Contempt, The Dear and Departed, or most recently, Sharp Shock. I actually met Dan a really, really long time ago, and uh, at the time, we actually discussed him giving me like my first actual real tattoo. Um, I say that because uh, I have the word pizza really shittily done on my ankle uh, that was done by the original guitar player in Touche uh, Tyson uh, with the tattoo gun that was held together by rubber bands and a wish. <laughs> um, uh, but it ended up never happening with Dan and I. Uh, I eventually started getting tattooed just kind of on tour um, when it all sort of fell into place. I have this theory, actually, that... Um, you shouldn't like seek out getting tattooed uh, too far in advance. I, I feel like it should just sort of fall into place if possible. Um, I don't do drugs, but I had, I've had people, you know, explain that uh, LSD is something that you shouldn't seek out. It should come your way. Cause that, in that case, you're going to have the best time. Um, I know that's a very strange comparison, especially for a, for a straight edge person, but I don't know why those have always sort of correlated in my head. Um, but uh, I think the, the the idea is don't overthink it too much. So um, I love Dan's work. He's he's an awesome, awesome guy. He's a he's a great musician, a really friendly person. I'm so happy he came on the show. Uh, I had a great time talking to him. I think if you're an aspiring tattoo artist, this is an especially good conversation. Um, he's got a, he's led a very interesting life uh, being born in the UK and then uh, kind of growing up in New Zealand and moving to Australia and eventually landing here in Southern California. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Jeremy Bohm. This is uh, the first ever podcast, and this is my conversation with Dan Smith. Dan, thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. I appreciate you being here. Good morning, mate. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm pretty good. It's funny. I had I had band practice for the first time last night in forever, so I woke up being like, cool, my voice is just a little bit more shocked than usual today. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing i'm sure it was worth it it was oh yeah we haven't we haven't seen each other really been together since uh since we recorded a record which was it's like six months ago so yeah uh, yeah yeah we we haven't rehearsed at all either so i'm kind of jealous oh yeah it's tough does everyone in in sharp shock like live near each other uh, me and Davey live near each other he's he's in long beach uh but chris our drummer he's in minneapolis oh so um yeah, usually if we're on tour, we we kind of um, have him fly out, you know, a week before so we can tidy things up a little bit um, and then get to it. But yeah, during this whole thing, it's been really difficult to uh, not so much to write, but just to, you know, to obviously play or, or rehearse. Yeah, it's it's tough enough. And how is Orange County doing right now with the fires? I, I Is there any near Orange County? Not, not really. Not so much near Orange County. Um, it's sort of more north of LA, you know, but, um, we still have had like the ash in the air and, you know, the ash is like all over our balcony and stuff. And, um, obviously the post, uh, apocalyptic looking days with the sun, you know, bright red and, and the, the, the brown clouds and stuff. So yeah, it's kind of reminiscent of last year when we had, when we had the, cl- uh, the fires that were a lot closer. Um, but man, yeah, it's, cra- it's, it's a crazy. It's crazy time. I was just hearing on the news the other day that that even like the the smoke has reached as far as Europe, which is crazy. Oh man, it's crazy. Yeah. 
yeah it's uh it's yeah. it's super rough but uh we, we can actually hop into the uh <clears throat> to the actual pod so this show is all about first yeah. experiences so i know that so you were born in england and then you you were raised in new zealand what how old were you when you actually moved to new zealand uh, i think it was just before my seventh birthday okay um so yeah i grew up in a town called middlesbrough which is um a pretty industrial you know town in the northeast of england uh pretty you know uh, a town pretty similar to sort of like a, a flint michigan kind of thing okay. like very industrial that you know steel working town that kind of took a dive in the uh sort of mid mid 80s i want to say um and uh yeah th- at that point um there was a lot of people from from england or great britain kind of emigrating to uh new zealand and australia and uh my uh, my auntie uh, and her family moved to New Zealand the year before we did and, you know, kind of discovered the, uh, you know, the paradise that is New Zealand at that time. And it was just, it was just the obvious decision. Um, you know, unemployment was at a kind of an all time low in, in England and everything was kind of in a pretty dark spot. So I think my parents really just wanted a better life for me and my sister and, and made the move. So yeah, from the age of seven till, 21 i lived in new zealand do you have memory like many memories from being in england uh that young um you know what's funny is like a lot of the memories i have or, or it might not even be a memory but just like a connection to england is through music and and through the culture that sort of still exists in new zealand as well even though it's a different country it's very it's part of the commonwealth right so it's like it's it's still you know it has a lot of similarities um but I, I, one thing I do remember is, is my, my dad taking uh, me to see Middlesbrough FC, you know, the football team, mm-hmm. like I think it was a few days before leaving. Um, and and that, that's, that's a strong memory that I have. But otherwise, I mean, you know, there's, there's little things from my childhood, maybe, you know, certain toys or certain like TV shows that I, I sort of vaguely remember. But, um, but yeah, not, not, not a great deal, really. You know, the, the, the upbringing in New Zealand is, is also very unique as, as well as having those similarities to England. So, um, you, you know, when I when I moved to New Zealand, I started at school and and, and you know, once once you sort of get into school, you know, your, your education really begins, you know. Right. So, yeah, definitely. What um, part of New Zealand did you actually move to? Was it like Auckland? Yeah, Auckland. Auckland's the, the biggest city and kind of has the most the most going on. Really? Sure. <laughs> You know, there's, there's the North Island and the South Island and the South Island um, still has, you know, probably less than half the people that the North Island has and is mostly farmland and, and like uh, scenery. Yeah. I mean, I can I can only imagine for, you know, your your parents and everything like that, the juxtaposition between England and then New Zealand, which is like just it feels like such a completely different kind of place. That had to have been uh, yeah. pretty wild. Yeah. What did your parents do for what? What did they do for work? Like what? Once they got to New Zealand, like what were they? What were they doing? So my dad, um, my dad was a typographer. So he he worked at a newspaper um, for most of his life, actually, um, and in in the print industry, you know, later on. But uh, my mom's always been a, a teacher. Um, she's she uh, was. Once we moved to New Zealand, she ended up um, becoming the principal of a, of a special school, like a special, uh, you know, school for kids with special needs. Oh, nice. Um, and then before that in England, she, you know, did some youth work and, and counseling and that kind of thing. I'm sure that had to have been helpful for the move and sort of getting your education 
sort of like in line because I have to imagine that had to have been quite different going from the schools in England to the schools in New Zealand and, and kind of where you were at in education. Is that, is that sort of fair to say? Yeah. I mean, well, I was, like I said, I was six when I moved there. So in New Zealand, you kind of start school, primary school at, at five. Um, so I don't, I don't really have much of a memory of, of schooling in England, but I'm sure it would be very, very different. You know, um, everything in New Zealand growing up was a lot more uh, laid back and uh, kind of everything just seemed pretty easy, sure. <laughs> you know, as, as a kid. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it, it's weird to think back to, you know, what, what would have happened or, or how my life would have kind of ended up if we stayed in England, you know? Yeah. yeah. Did you, did you, uh, did you still have a lot of family in England when you moved to New Zealand? Yeah, a little, a little. I mean, like I say, my, 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 uh, my auntie had moved and all her family. Uh, it was mainly my dad's side that, that stayed in, in England. Okay. Um, and then, um, and grandparents, you know, got it. But, you know, New Zealand was such a destination that everybody wanted to visit, you know what I mean? So we, you know, we didn't really visit back to England, um, I mean, I didn't think I went until I played music, you know, which, sure. which is a long time after, you know, I think everybody just loved the idea of, uh, you know, sunshine and <laughs> and uh, a mellow way of life, you know, yeah. for a holiday. So, no, definitely. Yeah. And so when you were young, uh, what was like uh, your first experience of, like finding art? Did you uh, did you study art or did, did you get into art uh, when you were a young kid? Yeah, I mean, I, I was always very interested in art. I was always drawing and painting, and and um, but honestly, it wasn't until really I I connected both music and art that it meant anything to me, you know, or, or I thought that I would really want to dive in more. Um, and that it basically started with me copying uh, like soccer team logos. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was really. Um, you know, I was adamant that I was going to get it right and perfect and, and stuff like that. And that kind of just drifted into finding music and, and then, you know, doing the same band logos or whatever on punk jackets and bags and, and you know, anything else I could. And then that kind of drifted into like screen printing and applying, you know, applying the art into a more um, meaningful way, you know, that kind of actually more tangible, you know, like something I could actually hold or, or, or produce for my friends or produce for like bands I was in and that kind of thing. So sure. I, I feel pretty lucky that I kind of stumbled upon that, or at least I had a pretty, you know, clear idea of what I wanted to do from a pretty young age. You know, there wasn't a lot of time where I was like, what am I going to do with my life? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Didn't feel that pressure. Sure. What was the first music that you connected to? Well, my dad, I think, uh, you know, my dad had and still has an amazing record collection. I feel extremely lucky to be very, very young and just flicking through his records and, and kind of studying everything. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, like the, the Beatles were, were number one in our house, but he had a very, very diverse, um, you know, taste in music. And, and um, if Beatles are number one, I think New Order was probably number two. So I, I really just gravitated to all that kind of stuff first, I think. Um, and then it was just... Uh, you know, the, the natural progression of uh, an angry kid kind of getting into more aggressive stuff or, or more stuff that was just a little more abrasive. Sure. And then um, that kind of led for me to look overseas and especially to America where I kind of, 
you know, most certainly gravitated towards punk and, and hardcore. At what point did you start uh, playing bass? Because bass is the main instrument you've played in bands, right? Other than singing. Yeah. So I, I, you know, my parents got me in a guitar when I think I was nine or 10 and then an electric guitar when I was probably 11 or 12. Okay. And then I got, a, I, I, you know, I started playing that and I had, you know, I got some lessons and stuff and, um, and then I switched to bass, I think a year after, I think I just got one just because I, I wanted to be as diverse as possible. Not, not thinking that I wasn't a guitarist, but as soon as I found the bass, I was like, yeah, I, I, I kind of know that I'm a bass player. Um, and I think, um, a lot of the music that I would listen to, the bass lines would kind of stand out a little more in harmonies and stuff, which is funny because that's kind of what I do in Sharp Shot. <laughs> uh now you know what i mean sure. and I, I would i would yeah i would kind of always sing the bass line or kind of sing a harmony so it all kind of made a lot of sense what was the first band that you did so the first the first band that i did was uh, it's always good when it comes with a giggle <laughs> like ah, oh, the first band <laughs> you know what man it's just like you look back at those times and it was so innocent sure. and, and so cool yeah. you know so cute <laughs> so uh it um it was it was called pomegranate okay and um which is, I guess, a play on words of, of pomegranate and uh, palmy meaning English and granite meaning rock. Okay. And it was um, it was a pretty straight up English sounding 80s punk band. Oh, nice. I was only 13 or 14. Um, but yeah, I was I was right where I needed to be <laughs> at that time, you know. And we, we actually entered a um, a competition called it was called the Rock Quest. And we came third. Nice. And uh, that was, to me, that was like, honestly, like some of the most, you, you know, the one thing that sort of motivated me the most back then um, and, and kind of solidified that I was maybe on the right track, you know, of just, of just doing what I needed to do. So, yeah, we came third and um, I don't think we put out anything. No, we didn't. We might have done a, a, a demo of a practice or something. But, um, yeah, that was... Uh, that was an amazing time in my life. So looking back now, it's, it's really funny because I just remember uh, my auntie taking pictures of us in, uh, in a park in Auckland. And we all just, you know, I had my chain and padlock on. <laughs> and, you know, we all had cone spikes and, and, and spray paint in our hair and, you know, just the, the, the classic look. So <laughs> was, there, was there like a big punk scene in Auckland? When you were growing up? There was. It was amazing. Really? Yeah, it was really amazing. It, it was so healthy and so sort of diverse as well like it wasn't just punk it was it was everything you could imagine and there was you know looking outside like growing up in New Zealand you really or maybe people who look or maybe people who grew up in any smaller country can can identify with this you you, you naturally look to America like for what's going on and what the history of something was and and whether it's you know you get into music through skate videos or surf videos or or you, you know, you gravitate towards an East or a West Coast sound or sensibility, like it's always outside of where you're at. And um, yeah, I we, we had the classic, you know, sort of CBGBs and we had everybody doing the zines and we had everybody just like really just helping each other. But I honestly feel like it was it was sort of he healthier in a way because it was so small that you really just you did know everybody in the room. Um, so when a new band kind of started or, or whatever, it was just like, I feel like everybody really, you know, supported everybody a lot. And, um, 
you know, me and my group of ki- uh, group of uh, friends were the younger kids who sort of hung out with a bunch of older, um, you know, punk and hardcore kids who had already sort of established a scene, you know, and, and um, we were just very excited to, to be a part of it. And um, my next band, DSM, was very productive and, and sort of very active in the scene um, as far as, you know, putting out music, bringing over bands, um, zines. I mean, just, the, just, just everything that you, you know, you're familiar with. We just, we just did it down there. Oh, that, you know? that's awesome. Do you, was there many bands <laughs> that came through, uh, New Zealand, like from the States? Cause I mean, even now it feels like it doesn't happen all too often. Like even my band's only been there one time and it was so long ago. Like, was that, did, was that yeah, more frequent then it, or less frequent? So sick of it all was probably the first hardcore band uh to come down there and that you know they did the scratch the surface tour so i think that was 96 so me and all my friends were too young to get into the venue um and then they came back in in 98 and my band actually opened for them oh shit they actually it it was it was me and my friends that kind of brought them down to new zealand and they ended up staying at uh the singer of of uh our band's mum's house where, where he lived you know like they were you know staying in the basement and we were all upstairs you know just like going what the fuck Sick of it all. Was like, oh my God. yeah exactly um so it was it was just remarkable like what what you know i think i think new zealand's always had the idea that it's just so far away to a lot of people from here or, or other countries that it was it had a novelty to it you know and it was just like yeah we'll 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 come down you know we'll, we'll we'll give it a go and we'll see what happens and we could guarantee at that point, you know, four or five really healthy shows. Um, so back then it was all bands really needed. But to, to answer your question, there wasn't a whole lot of bands um, going down there. Um, I think, you know, there was the, the the punk bands that were doing a little better than, than, some, than some of the hardcore bands that were able to go down there, like No Effects and, and um, you know, the whole Fat Records kind of scene or, or whatever. Um, which was great too, but um, it wasn't until bands like Sick of It All or One King Down or VOD or Shut Down, and you know th- those were the first f- sort of handful of bands that we got to come down. And um, damn, that's awesome that know, v- all of us with VOD came down. Yeah, that's, that's there, that was my oh, yeah, that was my was, first hardcore show was seeing VOD. That's, really? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it, it was like them. It was them. Scarhead, uh, Candiria, and yes. and Buried Alive played first. It was at the Troubadour. It's it's funny a, a thing that's been coming up a lot on this podcast, which which you kind of even just went into was, um, especially with punk, was specifically with punk and hardcore, like a, a blessing and I guess a curse is that the ceiling is so low that it's the only genre that I can think of that if you try just hard enough or you're in the right circumstance, you can play with your favorite band. You know, like yeah. if you put in just enough effort, it's not impossible to play with your favorite band. So the fact that, 100%. yeah, the fact that uh, you got sick of it all to not only come to New Zealand, but to hang out with you and you get to play the show and all that sort of stuff. Like that's pretty unheard of for, I, I would imagine any other genre, you know, I would, I would agree. You know, I would agree. And, and, and to have it reciprocated, when we eventually did travel here, you know, it was, it was the greatest thing, you know, it was like being able to tour. I mean, being able to do a tour in New Zealand consists of, you know, three or four shows back then. 
And, um, you know, a tour over here, as you know, is could be six weeks, you know. So some of us got opportunities to to visit and 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 jump on tour with bands like that and, and literally see all of America. And it was just a very, very unique, uh, you know, way to, to do some pretty outstanding things, you know. And so for that, I feel eternally grateful, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So did you start getting interested in tattooing while you were in New Zealand? Yeah, yeah. I was always interested, you know, I was always um, aware of bands with tattoos primarily. Mm -hmm. And um, from a very young age, I was sort of just on a mission to kind of figure out what what they were or why someone would actually get that, you know, like, you know, before you get tattooed, you think that they're just it's the most epic thing ever and it is it's permanent and it's you know it needs to have all this like really deep meaning and and stuff and then once you're a few a few tattoos in you realize like oh it's 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 really you know just it could be a, a fun memory or a fun you know experience or or just because i like it but you know i like the look of it so sure um for me you know obviously some of the earlier um english bands i was exposed to through my dad uh, a few of them had tattoos. Um, and then, you know, it's just kind of a matter of like bridging the gaps or like putting the pieces together of like, okay, like they got that as a tattoo because of this and like, okay, you know, and, and, and obviously some were a little more blatant, like, I don't know, the, the exploited skull, <laughs> you know, sure. top of the arm, like, you know, classic kind of style. And some were obviously more about lyrics or feelings or, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, to me, the whole mystery of it was was just captivating, and um, I I guess it just led to me thinking about what what I would get. And um, you know, my first tattoo was the Descendants. Uh, I don't want to grow up, nice. Milo, because um, they, without a doubt, my favorite band. But I think um, <clears throat> had such an impact on me lyrically at that at that time in my life when I was probably, you know, 15, 16. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I've always sort of worn my heart on my sleeve and, and really loved that other people do that too. So to me, it was kind of just a, uh, you know, there was no question about what I was going to get. That was just like, yeah, of course, that's, you know, that's what I'm going to get. And I, I thought about it for a couple of years and, and uh, you know, the, the experience of getting it was um, we had the, you know, the token hardcore kid tattooer that was in our scene who was a few years older than me that, you know, was pretty much my my hero, my everything, you know, and I, I, I set out to just basically try and impress him as much as I possibly could with everything I was doing with art from that moment. But he he tattooed me in the kitchen of the, you know, again, the sort of stereotypical punk house that all the older kids sort of lived at. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of the dudes in that house ended up moving to the East Coast, um, a good friend, Ben, who lived there, he ended up drumming for Snapcase. Oh, wow. Uh, Reese ended up playing in Roger uh, Moret's band, The Disasters. Um, Lawrence was, you know, he moved to Syracuse, which is, you know, again, somewhere, so, you know, a place where some of my favorite bands are from, Earth Crisis and, and Another Victim and stuff like that, which, um, Again, it was just people bridging these these gaps of of when you're in this very small country at the bottom of the world, you think it's a million miles away, and then you just realize, you know what, it's it's really not. There's just people doing what we do over there. So it's it's um, 
you know, a beautiful thing when you can kind of connect with those people and just see the world in doing so. It got, you know, it's funny. You got me thinking. That's so interesting too. I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about looking at tattoos from from artists and thinking about them in the way that I think a lot of us looked at band shirts that you know people were wearing, and that's how we found other bands. But I've never thought about it from a tattoo standpoint. Like I have to imagine that Henry Rollins, for example, having like the misfit skull or something. You know, where you're just like, oh shit, like yeah, like putting that yeah. type of stuff together. Um, that's, that's really interesting to me. That's, uh, yeah. Wow. Um, so did you start, like, did you apprentice while you were in New Zealand or anything like that? So uh, Dean Sacred, who, who did my first tattoo, who I mentioned, you know, I, um, they, they kind of had a more of a, a private, like appointment only studio. And it was at a time where tattooing was very, very different to, to the way it, it is these days, especially, um, it was a lot of sort of, you know, a lot of, uh, really serious characters involved and it wasn't <laughs> as easy to think that you could just do it. Right. You know? Um, it, it was, there was a serious mountain to kind of climb, you know what I mean? So to me, um, absorbing everything that Dean was sort of, you know, graciously kind of giving me as far as like advice or, um, even just being observant while I was getting tattooed, you know, like I had a an, uh, a weekly um, appointment at the tattoo shop and I would work this shitty job all week just, um, you know, just so I could go to the tattoo shop on the weekend and, and kind of hang out and learn as much as I could. Um, but New Zealand being so small at that time, I kind of knew that maybe I needed to sort of spread my wings and leave and travel a little bit and kind of achieve a few things on my own that maybe they couldn't really offer me, you know, there wasn't really like a job going, you know, um, with them. So I kind of wanted to, um, see the world and, and honestly, music was the priority at that point. So, um, tattooing I took with me and, and, and thankfully it's, you know, it probably saved my life a few times, but music was the priority. So I got the opportunity to move to Australia. Um, and I lived in a town called Adelaide for uh, two and a half years. And um, I was lucky enough to meet basically the Dean Sacred of Adelaide, um, an awesome friend called Shep. And he was the, again, the stereotypical punk tattooer, you know, who, who kind of just took me under his wing and really looked out for me. So um, I did what I was doing in New Zealand, but uh, actually this time in a shop and, um, you know, the, the, the scene in Adelaide was, uh, super healthy back then, you know, like there was a lot of bands from there. Um, a lot of bands touring there, all the international bands, if they didn't go to New Zealand, they for sure would go to Australia. So, um, the band I joined day of contempt, we ended up kind of supporting a lot of international, uh, bands that went down there. And, and in turn, I would just had an inbuilt kind of like clientele of, of punk and hardcore kids that would stand up and get tattooed. So, um, to me, it was a great move, you know, and, and I always had the idea of like, I'm just going to do this, see where it goes and then move back to New Zealand and, and hopefully, you know, earn my stripes and kind of be good enough to have a job or get a job with Dean at Sacred. Um, Dean and Dan, because Dan Anderson was was equally as important to me uh, in, in me learning what I learned over the years. Um, but uh, the way life goes, you know, it, it surprises you sometimes. And we had some amazing opportunities with the band. So um, we toured 
internationally for a couple of years and and uh I moved to California in 2004. Yeah, I remember I remember when that band became more of a US thing cuz the there was that record in 2005. That's one you play on, right? That's on Epitaph. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because they put out a few releases before. I think is it my friend didn't they start in the late 90s, like 1999 or something? That's right. Yeah, I moved to Adelaide to join them in like 2001 and um that had one, I think, an EP out before then. But yeah, then we did a, a record on Good Life Records from Belgium. Right. Um, okay. That's interesting. And then, and then, yeah, yeah. And then moved to the States and just tried to uh, fight our way through uh, <laughs> living here. Sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I completely remember that. Uh, before before we jump to, uh, into the mid-2000s here, just out of curiosity, what was the first tattoo that you gave? So the first tattoo that I gave somebody was on my girlfriend at the time's uh, uh, stepfather. Which, Whoa. I mean, he was a, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, he, that's, he, that's, uh, that's intense. <laughs> yeah, he, he was uh, a, a big, scary kind of Samoan dude, uh, kind of ex, ex-gang member. So he wanted a, a koi fish with water on his whole forearm. And um, it was, a, it was a, a terrifying moment. Yeah. Um, but but it was equally exciting, you know, like I was I loved him. I was super comfortable with him and, and really had a lot of respect for anyone who wanted to give up their skin for me. Um, but like I said before, like Dean Sacred and Dan, they, they were sort of I, I, all I wanted to do was sort of impress them. But there was a lot of me keeping what I'd kind of learned to myself you know, as well. Like I was I was really sort of like apprehensive to to just be like, man, this is what I'm this is what I want to do, because it was just a different time. And anyone from that time will kind of understand what I'm saying. You know, you just didn't, you didn't get information easily and you didn't, you sure as hell didn't ask for information mm. uh, from, from anyone. There wasn't any YouTube videos. There was, you know, there was really only magazines to look through and there was a very sort of, um, you know, you, you, you kind of keep the, keep the, the tips and, 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 and the skill that you learn from somebody to yourself, unless uh, it's a pretty unique situation. So um, so yeah, I just kind of jumped in, in the deep end and, and even moving to Australia, there was a lot of that as well. Like I had tons of people that wanted to get tattooed, but every, every tattoo I would do, I'd be like, man, what are you doing? Like, you really just don't know what the hell you're doing right now. And I think it was because it was in the punk and hardcore scene that everybody was, you know, just super cool for me to practice, you know? Um, so again, super grateful for that. Absolutely. It's, you know, I don't, I don't know that tattoo artists get the, I mean, certainly they get credit, but I don't know if they get the the credit for this specific thing, which is that level of confidence is so admirable. <laughs> like it's the pressure that, that comes with that is intense. It's so intense. Cause it's like, not only are you thinking about your performance in this situation, but you're also like, to, uh, these are strangers and they're, and I'm putting this on them for the rest of their life. So like, I would be sweating bullets the whole time. So I'm, you know, I, I feel like forever hats off to you and, and all, you know, you're, you're kind because it's, it's such an intense level of, of pressure. So I can only imagine that first, that first big tattoo. Cause as you said, it seemed like it was a, a pretty large part of the man's arm. That's, and being the stepdad of your girl at the time, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was it was intense. <laughs> it was intense. I, I honestly, I still kind of have that pressure sometimes, and and I and I kind of need to like think twice and go, dude, like, what do you? That's fine. You've done this for twenty years. You know what I mean? But 
Um, so I think it, you know, everybody's different on the way they approach things. Yeah, it's funny. Like, uh, I, I think I've had this conversation with with a couple tattoo artists over the years, but um, certainly not on the show as you're my first tattoo artist, which is awesome. I'm so stoked to have you for this. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I want to. But, uh, but no, I'm like, do you have any sense of like, I don't want to say bitterness, but like, because that's that's a strong word, but a little bit of like, huh, uh, yeah, that must be nice about the fact that you know, a lot of the younger generation of tattoo artists have Instagram, which is just teaching you all the coolest ways to do things. Like, is that something that yeah. you're just like, oh, what you don't even, you know, I guess in the way it's like, you know, we, we, you know, you and I aren't too far off, I think in age, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 37. Um, but like, you know, you, you had to learn all this stuff from magazines and like, you know, like, get these little tips here and there and, and everything like that. But now it's, you know, it's, it's just right there on your phone. Um, and like when we were, when we were growing up, like we had to find bands through like mail order and like catalogs and thank you lists and all these sorts of things or whatever. So um, do, do you ever think it's, about that? Like, yeah. man, it's so, it's gotta be so much easier for kids starting out now. I, I do think about it a lot. And I think it's something that a lot of people, yeah, our age kind of might think about. I just really make an effort to not let it get to me in the way that a lot of other, especially tattoo artists, um, let it get to them because I just feel like there's so much to be learned, um, from younger tattooers. I mean, it, it's, it's easy to be better at people in life, you know, and it's easy to, to, you know, to swallow that pill of like, you know, someone doesn't deserve this or, 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 or I deserve this more. And it's like, you know what, man, like this, it's in the stars, like it's out of your hands, you know? And, and with opportunities that have been presented to me, I've always thought, you know, this is this is something that's being given. You know, this this opportunity is being given to me, so I have kind of a duty to to really say yes to it because that's outside of my control. You know what I mean? If it's being presented to me, it's it's because of something that I've done or or or, or decisions I've made before this. So the way I see it, if if younger tattooers are, are, are doing amazing work or being get you know being given great opportunities like all power to them you know that's that's the world that's the way the world works and and it's a constant cycle right yeah no no doubt so you in 2005 uh, you're you're doing day of uh, day of contempt and you're on epitaph and and was that your first u.s tour with day of contempt like, uh, the, like we started actually fully like touring the U.S. or had you been over here to tour before? Um, we first toured in 2002. Okay. Um, so we basically did like over 2002 and 2003, we did kind of two like quote unquote world tours, you know, where you do like the States, Canada, um, Japan, Europe. Wow. Okay. Then, yeah. You went everywhere. And then went back. Yeah. Went back home. So, um, so yeah, we, we were definitely familiar, um, and then we, we, you know, we kind of decided to to take the leap, um, and and move here in two thousand four. So yeah, it was, you know, I, I would love to say it was easy, but it was really extremely difficult. And a lot of what we thought was going to happen really just kind of fizzled out. And um, and uh, yeah, so it, it was a, it was a very strange time because we were so far from home. Um, we did have a lot of help and a lot of people looking out for us, which again, truly grateful for. Um, but I think it was, for me, it was tattooing that really was sort of the lifeboat um, that made it possible for me to 
not be consumed with the result of our decision to move here. And, and it was a, a sort of a, a little escape for me that made it, um, that, that I was sort of being fulfilled by something else, um, while going through all this turmoil. So, um, but, you know, in turn, it kind of helped the band as well, because, you know, one of the first guys I met when I was over here was Jim Minor from Death by Stereo. So I, I met him and I was like, oh, man, you're you're me just here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're doing what I do, yeah. playing in bands and tattooing, but here. So he was, um, you know, he said to me on our very first tour here, like, uh, I'll make sure that you have a chair in any tattoo shop that I'm in. And to me, that just blew my mind apart. And I'm like, wow, like now I have an opportunity for tattooing as well as music. Like this is something you just have to do and you just have to kind of see like where it's going to go. And if it all falls apart and blows up in your face, like, all right, cool. But what, what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, sort of a limiting, um, you know, like the, the feeling of claustrophobia or something that I felt in New Zealand, especially. Um, on one hand, I was super, you know, excited of what me and all my friends were doing and being a part of, but I was still like, I've got to get out. I've got to, there's, there's more to it. There's more to it. There's more to it. You know? Yeah. And you know, so. I, I feel like between tattoo artists and, and, um, you know, barbers and, and things like that, like things that can come with being in a punk band or in a hardcore band or whatever, like it's such a blessing to have that kind of career to keep you grounded when you're not on tour. You know what I'm saying? Like you still feel yeah. like you're in it every day. Cause you're probably tattooing and, and uh, like kids in the hardcore scene and, and things like that. So it's like, you're kind of always surrounded yeah. by it and you actually have money coming in all the time when you're not on tour too. <laughs> so, so I, that I, helps. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. I can only imagine. So do you, uh, just briefly, do you remember, uh, what you're like, uh, not necessarily like a, Hey, do you have a crazy tour story? But like, do you, do you remember any thoughts from that first U S tour? Like, cause this was obviously pre GPS. So you were probably still having to do like, uh-huh. like, uh, map quest. yeah, map quest, Google uh, or printouts yeah. that took you in the wrong direction constantly. Totally. <laughs> totally. And you got to imagine like coming from a, a small place where you kind of really know everywhere you're going <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff being being thrown in especially like the midwest or like you know what i mean like parts of like canada where you're just like there's no gas station for 100 miles oh my you know god what I mean? yeah. like yeah it it's just the craziest thing you know like swerving off the road because you're gonna hit a moose yeah and you've never seen a moose in your entire <laughs> life you know you've seen it on maybe northern exposure and they're or like something, you know, four the times show. bigger than you ever imagined <laughs> uh, dude like honestly, like we'd be here all day if I if I could reference all the things that you know you're just thrown into the mix of yeah. So once uh, so, I mean it sounds like the mid two thousand. I mean obviously you're still an incredibly busy person, but it sounds when I look at like the timeline of all the things in your life that are happening in the uh, the early to like late two thousands, it sounds like you were just pro- one of the busiest people around because Darren departed was two thousand eight. Is that right? um yeah we start well 2007 really we um we kind of came from you know the rubble of of uh day of contempt and we had a lot of uh you know cool stuff on on our plate so it was like we didn't really want to um you know we didn't want to lose all that stuff so we kind of just you know changed the name and and we're lucky to sort of still have a lot of those um you know, opportunities, you know, still, still happen for us. So as far as touring and, and putting out records and stuff and, and even, 
I, I want to say there was sort of more interest, which was which was kind of refreshing and and kind of came at a really nice time for me because I thought my world was ending and the you know my my move to uh, you know this huge country was all for nothing. But um, so yeah, uh, Dear and Departed started. I, I switched to singing, which was something I've always loved to do. Um, I wasn't. Yeah, how did that feel for you? It felt very strange. <laughs> it was very very strange. Um, I've always loved doing it, but I think I'm I'm definitely a, more of a private person, and I I don't like the show aspect of being a frontman, you know. And um, I think the sound that we were just you know it was it didn't it didn't make it easy to just maybe maybe some of the the shows that we were playing and and, and warp tour and stuff like that it wasn't we didn't really have the the sound that just kind of fit right into that. So um, I don't want to say I struggled with it, but I, it was just something that I just did to, to get by and, 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 you know, to, to sort of salvage what I thought was, um, you know, I don't know, just, I don't, I don't want to say that it, I, well, I, I did it because I had to, and I, I learned, I learned to like it, but there was definitely always things I didn't really like about it. Sure. No, I, I can understand that. So that the first record, yeah. it's funny. I, I don't think I realized this until I was like kind of clicking around and thinking things to talk to you about. Um, I didn't realize that Chris Vrenna and Jade from AFI were the producers on that first record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I met, I met uh, Davey from AFI and Jade um, shortly after um just before the band started they were super super helpful super supportive of everything that we were doing you know i ended up singing on uh december underground and black audio records and and that kind of you know yeah. just was amazing you know and and obviously jade's an amazing songwriter and it was just an an awesome thing for the record that we could do um at that time so yeah um yeah, and I mean, and for 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 the listeners, just so you know, uh, they can understand where I'm coming from. Like Chris Verena played in Nine Inch Nails, and and uh, and was you know a key component in a lot of in a lot of their material. So, um, did that was was this like uh, when you were thinking about pre- like recording that record? Did that come your way first, or did you seek that out, or or how did uh, how did that line up? Because that just seems like a really cool, exciting combination between Chris Verena and Jade to to be a part of the production team yeah it was it was amazing and honestly I think at that time I didn't really um I probably didn't really value it enough just because personally it was just turmoil you know um I was I was, I was super appreciative that they were involved um I think just the just the repercussions of of everything that was going on were were, were pretty polarizing for, for me at that time um but yeah, I mean, I think how did it happen? I think um we had someone that was helping the band out and 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 Chris sort of I know he was sort of maybe trying to reach out to some other producers and just kind of see if they had any interest and and Chris said he did. Um and that was just something I never even thought would happen at all. Yeah. Um so yeah, like going through it it was like I don't know if I don't know if you you can agree with this, but coming from from punk, you, you, you kind of think that you, I don't want to say that you know it all, but you're very aware of the, the, the perimeter that, that punk kind of has as far as the sound, the sound goes, you know? So when you move through life and you get these different opportunities that 
sort of break down those a little bit, whether it's like, oh, we're playing a show with all these bands that we don't sound like, or this person wants to record us or, or is interested in us. It, it's, it's, it always comes with a decision, you know, and, and, and I feel like that was just a, a total surprise. Um, that whole time of my life was, was very surprising to me. And I kind of just went with it all. <laughs> um, and, and uh, you know, it was, it's, it's really weird to think back on now, but ultimately I'm, I'm just so grateful that, uh, you know, that happened for me. Yeah. I mean, it's funny what you just said. It's like, um, I feel like there's always two different ways of going about it. Right. Where I I've always looked at, you know, Touche has done some things that I never, ever, and I still can't believe have been possible um, <laughs> with opportunities that have yeah. come our way. And, you know, there's a lot of bands that with, if they were offered some of those opportunities, they'd be like, fuck you. I'm not doing that. Like we're, a, you yeah. know, more DIY ethic or like we're, you know, we're not in it for playing bigger shows and things like that. And I'm like, yo, all respect to you. I get it. The way I've always looked at it is like, if an opportunity doesn't question our moral boundaries in any sort of way, if it's like, uh, if, if it's like not against our ethics by any means, you know, like we, you know, wouldn't do like a fucking Jägermeister and, uh, branded tour or something, you know, something that just like made us feel uncomfortable because it's like a corporation we don't agree with whatever, some dumb shit like that. But like, and yeah. any like larger tours or like any weird opportunities like that, it's like, we're going to say yes, because we're only on this planet once. And I just want to experience as much as I can. <laughs> I just want to say that I did yeah. stuff, you know, like it's sometimes it just comes down exactly. to that. We can, we can get into this for uh, briefly here for a second, but uh, how did, and how did the LA Inc thing come your way? Is that like another product of, of just being like, well, this is a crazy opportunity. Why it would be a fool to turn this down kind of situation. Yeah, exactly. It really was. I mean, I had met um, Kat, whose show it was, um, in the same shop that I met Jim Miner. Um, and so that was on our first tour. So when I finally moved, I ended up working in that shop. And um, she went off to uh, Miami to do the Miami Inc. show first. And um, she kind of reached out. We always kept in touch and reached out and said that, you know, she was going to be doing the LA thing and that she wanted me to work in the shop. And it was it was a really turbulent time with the band and I was just kind of in two minds of like, do I, do I still need to keep, you know, trying to make this work or do it, you know, I was sort of losing the, the push a little bit. Um, and I was always, you know, when stuff wouldn't really go right with the band or whatever, I'd kind of just turn to tattooing and that would be extremely fulfilling because it was really only me and somebody else. Um, and so she kind of offered me the job and stuff, um, just to work in the shop initially, um, at a time where there was sort of a lull with the band and we were trying to figure out our visas and if we could even continue our life here and, you know, crazy stuff like that. So, um, I was just like, yeah, I kind of have to, you know, like just, just stop, stop being apprehensive and just jump in. And of course that platform was just insane. And, and, uh, you know, I was there during the filming of the second season, but I ended up joining the team on the third season and ended up doing three seasons. So um, when you talked earlier about like, you know, being nervous about doing a tattoo on someone, right. you know, you try you try doing it on, you know, Simon Pig or something <laughs> or like Kirstie Alley or like, I don't know, it's it's insane. Yeah. Do you, uh, I bet it was probably helpful at least to have been present for a season before actually being on camera. So you at least got used to what it looked like and what was to be expected. I, I'm sure that was a, a blessing if you've ever thought about it, because if it was just like, 
hey, you're on the show now. We're starting filming tomorrow and you don't know what to expect, you know? Yeah, I think I would have lost it if that was the case. So <laughs> I, yeah, I, I am glad that I was sort of aware of how it worked. But but having that feeling like, oh, man, you're going to be in the hot seat, you know, is 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 uh, pretty cool. But, you know, hey, I, I'm definitely not complaining about any of that. Like I want to I definitely want to say that I was, uh, you know, very excited and grateful at the same time, you know, because I, I did think back to like, you know, this little town in West Auckland that I'm from. And I was just like, dude, like who, like I have to do this. You know yeah. what I mean? I have to do this. Like th this has been given to me. So yeah, of course. It's such an amazing opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. then, so once, once that show wrapped up, uh, how soon after did you, cause you own captured Cat tattoo in, in, uh, in Orange County, how soon after from the end of that show, did you start captured tattoo? So I never really had the idea to open my own shop. You know, I was kind of just, seeing how it all went. And um, after the show wrapped up, I think I worked there for another year or two. And um, I just decided that, you know, uh, well, it, it kind of came at the same time that I kind of wanted to end uh, The Deer and Departed. Mm -hmm. We kind of done everything I felt like we needed to do. And, and we we uh, ended on a real high note on a European tour with Alkaline Trio. Oh, great. And I kind of came back and was just like, you know what, what's next? And um yeah, make, made the decision um, to move to Orange County. I mean, I, I lived here when I first moved in 2004. And like I said, we had a lot of great friends here. And any time that I would visit, it would just be, you know, the weight of LA isn't really down here. And, and to me, like coming from New Zealand, I grew up by the beach and mountains and stuff like that. So it's just a little a little more me, you know, the pace is a little more me. So um yeah, I kind of made the move and then everything just kind of fit into place um, pretty seamlessly. You know, I, I, if, if anything was like that was a meant to be type situation, it was that. Uh, this is, is a uh, I hadn't thought to ask this, but it's it's kind of I'm actually kind of curious because uh, I, I know how these things can work out sometimes. Does did you feel any sort of like a fan base for the music you were doing go up a little bit after the TV show? Like, did you did you feel like people coming out? to see you play was inspired by like, Oh, I really love you on this TV show. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Like at that, at that time it was played all over the world and it was, it was huge, you know? Um, so yeah, it changed everything. Literally. Like I went from, you know, I don't think Instagram was around, but like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Know, yeah. It was like 80,000 followers on Twitter, like in the space of a few weeks or whatever. Holy shit. Yeah. Just like, yeah, just like all the crazy weird stuff that comes along with, being like a quote unquote personality on a TV show, you know, like appearances or getting flown here and there to just show up. And you're just like, what? Like, yeah, I'll go record shopping in New York city. Just, <laughs> you know, yeah. to, to, to show up somewhere for half an hour. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, um, no doubt. It's why I watched a, I, I like went on YouTube and I like watched a couple of clips from the show. And I mean, you come off and that show <laughs> so charming. You're so sweet and you're so charming, oh, which, which I know That's you are. Good. Like, I know you are, you know, but like, like, uh, and then it like, it cut oh, to a clip you. from another thing, which seemed, you know, it was like something dramatic that was happening on the show, but like watching just you communicate with the person and, and whatever, like, I was like, I could see how you could just become an instant heartthrob of the show. Like it, it makes sense. You know, like I would want to go see your band play. I would want to hang out with well, you. Hey, I, I really appreciate that. And the check is in the mail, <laughs> um, but, uh, but, uh, no, here's the funny thing though with TV. Like, I mean, it was, it was broadcast everywhere. Right. So while you're saying that, you know, I, I do a, a tattoo convention and have someone, 
you know, come up to me saying like, how dare you treat that, you know, the, 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 you know, the shop manager that way on that one episode. And I'm like thinking in my head, like that was all cut and paste. I didn't even have that conversation. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, so I'm, I'm glad you got that, but yeah, it was kind of weird to um, experience the sort of diverse, uh, impact I right. guess, that I was having on different people, different viewers sure. um, around the world. Amazing. Um, well, yeah. So it's, I guess uh, this, this could be like a two-parter when it comes to tattooing and music. Do you remember the, the first experiences for both of those where it felt like you were, you had like done what you'd been working so hard towards, I guess we could start with, uh, with tattooing on that one. I think, I think I've felt this a few times on different levels, you know, like, when I moved to Australia and I first started tattooing, within the first year um, of me tattooing, I think I'd tattooed, like I tattooed like the the bagpipe player for the Dropkick Murphys, oh, shit. Okay. you know? And, and and to me, that was like, all right, cool. Like that's, the, you, know, you know, it's just, it's just the, the, some of the first steps that solidified that feeling of like I was doing something right. Um, I mean, this far along, um, I think having my own shop and kind of sometimes, you know, I'll go, I'll go to the shop kind of early and just sit in silence and just kind of like look around and it's so peaceful. And I, I um, especially I just put up these new um, white uh, wooden blinds on the door. Mm-hmm. And so when the sun shines through the door in the morning, it's kind of magical. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 sort of like angelic. So I'll just sit there in silence and just kind of go just I don't know, just take in the, the, the silence and just really try to appreciate it. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I don't know, man, I'm lucky. Honestly, I'm very I'm very lucky to say that I have a lot of those, um, you know, those feelings, you know, even like I got to tattoo surge from quicksand and the deftones oh nice and you know he i tattooed both of his hands and then that night you know they were playing i forget where they were playing the, the grove or something or the the, uh, the greek i think yeah 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 um and he wore our hoodie like the shop hoodie and he still you know he had these like hand tattoos and i'm just like man that's fucking awesome that like this far along i'm still getting kind of stoked on something that i was getting stoked on when i was like i don't know 18 like tattooing someone from you know throw down for the first time or something or right. you know, i don't know just yeah well just also cool. shout out to him for getting his hands tattooed and playing a show that night that's fucking insane yeah <laughs> not recommended but <laughs> <laughs> there's been like one or two times i was tattooed like day you know before the show and immediately regret it where i'm just like oh, cool this the plastic is not on me it's just like it's it's kids are touching it this is this is no good <laughs> this is no good yeah, you're yeah, you're worried about getting COVID these days. Yeah. <laughs> you think back to what kind of backstage <laughs> rooms and, and venues you've been in in your life and slept in and, and got tattooed in and ate off the floor and it was like, oh my god. That's been a big joke where it's just like, man, you know, uh, the with the music shows coming back, it's like punk and hardcore is the most affected by this. Our 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 <laughs> genre requires part, crowd participation and jumping on each other and sweating on each other. It's like I am I am yeah. uh, patient yeah. zero when it comes to spreading germs. I'm spitting in, you know, like we're spitting in each other's mouths and breathing in each other's faces. Like it's so, it's sharing a microphone is just so yeah. gross. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, uh, man. Uh, and so, exactly. When it, so how about when it comes to music? Do you, was there like a, a show you played or like, uh, a, do you remember any sort of like specific moment where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening? Most definitely. It, it wasn't that long ago. It was only like four years ago because when I opened the shop, I sort of, like I said, put music behind or not, but not behind to the side mm -hmm. for sure. I was still tattooing a lot of musicians and it would, it would make me crazy sometimes going like, man, I can't believe you're not in a band for the first time since you were like 13 years old. Um, but, um, our second show with sharp shock was with descendants at the palladium in LA. Nice. And, um, when, when we got told that we had that show, it was, you know, like Milo being my first tattoo and just having them having the, the biggest impact pretty much out of anyone, I would say, it just blew it just blew my mind you know what i mean and 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 while i think it's great to be humble and say like you know i think it's just it's just another show they're just people you know it's just it, it's no way man it's it's the fucking descendants you know what i mean and it's like there is no way in hell for most of my life i thought that i would be doing that and it happened so you know to anyone who's had a similar experience of bands i know you have um how how amazing is it? You know, you could try to, you could try to explain it to somebody how, it, you know, how, how great it is, but you won't. Um, yeah. Unless you've it's, it's like, felt it. Yeah. Gr so. Growing up, growing up in, in, in Auckland, getting your first tattoo of the descendants. And then so many years later, you're, you're getting to open for them at a sold out show in Los Angeles in front of yeah. 2,500 people, 3,000 or what's, I forget, Palladium's 3,000. Whatever it is, a lot think, of people. Yeah, a lot I think of it's people. More, yeah, I think it's more since the upgrade. But yeah, it was it was sold out, and the, the crowd was great and totally liked us and, and everything. And um, you know, as well as well as just you know the, the facts of playing with the Descendants, it was like to meet everybody as uh, you know to meet everybody and have them as people be so warm and just have like meaningful conversations, like actual meaningful conversations to me. Uh, really solidified everything. It was, it was, it was great. So good. Well, Dan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I love this conversation. This was an, this was an absolute blast and I hope it's uh, not forever before we, uh, we get to run into each other. I hope so too. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate your time and I, I totally appreciate your positive outlook on everything and everything that you put into the world. Uh, it doesn't go unnoticed. So thank you. Oh, that's really sweet. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Bye Dan. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. And if you can spare a moment to give us a rating and review on Apple, it helps the show gain more visibility and that can make all the difference. Thank you, and I'll see you again next week. Yeah.